Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Changing Faith Podcast. I am so thrilled that you have joined with us today. Today we have my friend Susan Cottrell. We are sitting in a really large ballroom, hence the echo in the ambiance that you hear. Susan is a prominent voice for parents of LGBTQ children. She's a wonderful speaker, author, and spiritual director, and she also founded Freed Hearts, which we're going to talk about today. And what impresses me about Susan and what you're going to hear today is she's not someone who argues and strong arms people into seeing things her way, uh, but she's someone who listens and cares for others really well. And her presence challenges uh, Christians who reject our friends in the LGBTQ community to understand the love of God. And so we're here in Denver, Colorado, along with her husband, Rob, who's next door. They've been married for 30 years. And so, Susan, welcome to the Changing Faith Podcast. Thank you, Michael. Glad to be here. And we met uh, somewhere around a year ago, I think. Yes. Um, And and what immediately struck me is that your work that you've given your life to is rooted in your love and your passion as a mom. You have five kids. Yes. Uh, And I point this out because there's so many ways I hear people speak about the LGBTQ community, uh, whether it's books or discussions or theology, but you speak as a loving mom. And that heart is reflected in all you do. So could you just start by sharing some of your story and your journey as a, as a mom and a, and a wife? Yes, thank you. Well, my husband and I were in the evangelical church for 25 years. And then our daughter came out. And we suddenly had to look at what this all meant. We had sort of absorbed the idea from church. It wasn't talked about. But we had absorbed the idea that there must be something broken that gay people have probably been hurt and need counseling and that kind of thing. But when our daughter came out, we knew that didn't apply to her. It didn't fit her. We knew that it was who she was. Mm. And she had tried to change it before she talked to us. You know, for a long time she denied it in herself and it was part of her. And so we had to look at everything all over again And when I went to some people in the church to talk about it, as you would, um, we were told that it's a sin and you can't accept it, like it's a job offer, Mm, you know? Yeah. Like it's a move to a city where we are not fond of. And that really struck me, that the rule popped up there instead of the relationship. And we knew that the church would not give us the answers we need. And then when we we fully accepted our daughter because hey that's our daughter, and um, but she asked me several times, "Are you sure you and Dad won't reject me even later? Are you sure?" And I said, "Yes, yes, I'm sure." But why are you asking me again and again? Mm. She said, "Because I've seen it happen," and I was shocked. She said, "I've seen people kicked out of their house. My friend was thrown down the stairs by her mother." and dishes thrown at her Hmm. when she came out. I thought, what? In the name of Christ? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and so we knew, I knew right then, that's really when Freed Hearts was born, because I knew that a lot of the church is upside down on this. They don't know how to respond to this with the love of Christ. And that's our call, is to respond to anything with the love of Christ. And so it became our life's work. My husband and I were second career. Yeah. All the kids are grown. 
and we are busy every day, you know, constantly writing, working, talking on Facebook, mom's groups, dad's groups, yeah, everything. And you said the other day, you were talking about this, you just mentioned this rejection, this family rejection. Can you share what you shared the other day about homeless teens and homeless youth and percentages there? That was shocking. Yes, that 40% of homeless youth are LGBT. So that's way more than the populations, maybe 10% of the general population, but 40%. So one in four, so in a classroom, take a fourth of the desks out. Those kids are homeless because they're LGBT and they've been rejected. And 25% of those were kicked out the day they came out to their parents. Mm. So, you know, if we get a rough email that we need to answer, we give it a day. We don't answer immediately. Yeah. These kids are kicked out of their homes in the name of Christ. Mm. It makes no sense. It's a, it's a, it's a death sentence, mm-hmm. in essence, to respond that way. How dare we do that to our children? Yeah. How dare we do that to our children? And the consequences, like we hear about homelessness, and the consequences initially seem crazy to us. Yeah. But one of the things I learned here in Denver is there's a massive human trafficking po- uh, problem here. Yes. Because of the crossroads of I-70, which goes east to west, uh, and I-25, north, yes. north to south. And homeless youth are often approached within yes. their first week of being on the street. Within 48 hours. Within 48 hours yes. of a trafficker. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. you come out yeah. in a Christian home, yeah. and literally 48 hours later, you can, be in, yeah. you can be enslaved. Yeah, thrown into a truck, driven somewhere else, as you said, it's on the freeway, somewhere else, never seen again. You're locked in a cage in somebody's basement. Right. And people, men coming at you. So, whoever's listening, I want to just say, picture you in your life, and suddenly you are removed from everything, from all of your family and your home and your people and your job and your church and everything, and you're put out on the street, and nobody, you can't reach anybody, and you're put in a truck and driven somewhere to be a sex slave. Do you think that would fit? Anything you might have done to precipitate that. Right. Could you have done anything that would, would justify that kind of treatment. And, and that's an adult. How, well, we take children and throw them out of the house. It, it's just really unconscionable. It's a, it's a very serious problem. We've, if we claim the name of Christ, or even if you don't, but especially for people who use Christ as a re, you know, their religion as a reason then you need to rethink this whole paradigm and look at how you can love somebody. I mean, love, Jesus said love people and treat them, and love means treating them the way you want to be treated, not I love you so I'm kicking you out. That, no. But I love you so I'm going to treat you the way I'd like to be treated. And we're not doing that. Right, not even close. Not even close. And the importance of this at another layer is one of the things that I've learned at, in conversations with people regarding our friends in the LGBTQ community. Yes. Is there's the assumption that mom, I'm gay, mm-hmm. dad, I'm gay, um, speaks towards their behavior. Right. And yet it actually only speaks towards their attraction. Yes. 
And for those who would say, I believe this is a sin, the Bible actually never addresses one's attraction. Right. Never. That's right. right. So we're kicking them out over something Yeah. that's not even, not even in not the text. Not even happened yet. Not even, it's not even happened. It's, a, it's who they are, really. So if you're, if you're straight listening to this, you knew you were straight long before you ever even held hands with anybody. You just knew. You had a crush on, you know, the person in first grade or whatever. Yeah, Becky lead for me. <laughs> Becky, if you're listening, I remember who you are. <laughs> I don't remember the guy's name, but there was a very cute boy in third grade that I really liked. And I just, you just know you're straight. And when you're gay, it, you, it's a discovery because people are assumed to be straight in our culture. So it's this discovery that, oh my gosh, my attraction is to someone of the same gender. And it's, it's, it's really a scary discovery process for them. But still, they haven't done anything. Most of the kids that come out, you know, a lot of like 14-year-olds, 12-year-olds, they haven't done anything, but they know. Right. And so, yeah, you're right. They're, they're being, you know, that's being acted on. And they haven't even, they haven't sinned it, no matter what you view. It. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and so you spoke about your daughter. Yes. And this led you and Robert to the launch Freed Hearts. Yes. And so can you tell us just a, about the important work you're doing there, what Freed yes. Hearts is? Uh, well, I, I also forgot to say that my youngest daughter came out as well, like two years after the older one. And with the older one, we were working through our theology and we had to understand it and we had to, dis, you know, dismantle everything of what we thought, and then the youngest one <laughs> basically goes by saying, me too. Hmm. So that was kind of humorous. Um, you know, youngest children get away with everything, I think. Yeah, hey, I'm the youngest of six. Yeah. I was the golden child. <laughs> and <laughs> the black sheep somehow there you go. at the same time. Um, but when we, so, you know, we, we support and defend our children without a doubt, um, but we saw how kids were being treated. And I actually experienced God leading me and saying, you're gonna to minister to this community. I had no idea what it would look like or what do I do, but you know, God is pretty good at showing us what we need to know. Mm -hmm. And before we knew it, we were, I wrote a blog post, which I will say that God tricked me into writing. That's another story. <laughs> uh, so I wrote this blog post and I start getting comments, comments and, and some from friends saying, hmm, I'm a little surprised. Um, but I just kept writing and I knew that if I could, I knew if I could get the body of understanding that I understood about this, uh, it would make sense to people and people came out of the woodwork and I just love them with the love of Christ. And that's really what we do with freed hearts. We free the hearts of parents to love and embrace their LGBTQ kids. We free the hearts of LGBTQ people to heal from shame mm -hmm. they've internalized, and we free the hearts of the church to um, be radically inclusive the way Jesus is. We get messages from people who've been thrown out or have been vilified by their families or their churches, and we answer those, we get emails, and I have parents come to me saying, you know, who find me online saying, what, what do I do? My child's just come out. And we have an online support group for moms, and we have an online support group for dads, and also for LGBTQ. And, uh, 
and we just minister to people. We, we write, I write, we speak, all of that. Mm. Yeah. And what is, what has been the response? Like you have, you have these people come to you yes. that are broken up, um, yes. and kicked out of the house, whatever it is. What, where do you even begin that process? And I ask this yeah. question because I know uh, there, there are some listeners right now. I feel like everyone yeah. seems to know someone who has that story. Yes. And so where do you even begin with somebody who's experienced that level of rejection and pain and wounding? Yes. For the person, you mean? or the For the person, yeah. Yeah. I assure them that God loves them, mm. that they are beautifully made exactly the way they are that they didn't cause their parents' rejection, that their parents rejected for their own reasons. Mm. And we just love, the, love and embrace them and bring them into community. And we try to help heal their shame from, from rejection. Yeah. Yeah. And what would Freed Heart's message be for people who would look at what you're doing and say, this is completely and totally 100% wrong? I'd say, I'm standing right next to Jesus, mm. and he is saying, love God and love others. Do you need to know what it looks like to love them? It means going out of your way to help them. It means to bring them into community. It means to treat them the way you want to be treated. I'm doing exactly what Jesus told us to do. Now, in the beginning, I was so concerned about leading people astray. Yeah which I look back at now and I just, I laugh because why are we so concerned about leading people astray, which Jesus never warned us about, never said, don't lead people astray. Yeah. But he did say, love people well, but we're not very afraid of not loving well. Yeah. We reject people and don't worry about it. Yep. So yep. Um, I'm doing, I'm doing exactly what Jesus has told me to do, told us to do. And people who don't get that, uh, I, I try to help them understand that. Yeah. But the only people Jesus got angry at, and he's called names, was people who reject other people. Yeah. Who judge, condemn, and marginalize other people. Yep. And they were religious leaders. Yes. And I, I, I think as a religious leader that that is an incredibly important thing to pay attention to. Yes. Every religious leader should be saying, wait, what? That's the group he got mad at? What did he, what did he get mad about? Because I don't want to do that. Yeah. I had somebody, I had someone recently say to me, um, you don't talk about hell very much. And Jesus talked about hell more than heaven. And it's yeah. really interesting to note that both conservative and liberal scholars point out that Jesus, when he spoke about hell and used hell as a threat, yeah. only ever used hell as a threat against those who used hell as a threat. I never, never did he look at this quote sinners yes and say you're going to hell because they were already in hell like yes like yes. it's not going to get much worse in our context yes um and so when you see if you're listening and you hold on to that for a moment because if you see the 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 pictures of people holding signs if you hear someone who's a little yes. bit uh has a little bit more compassion and has a genuine concern and says oh no no these people are going to hell for this Whenever you see in the Gospels people who are interested in maintaining the boundaries of heaven and hell, what you will find is Jesus's commentary quickly following saying, if you're consumed with who's in or out, you can safely assume you will probably be out. Wow. This is not the way my kingdom works. That's great. And so 
the idea of the welcome and the embrace and the I'll hold you, yes. this is what got Jesus killed. Yes. Jesus didn't get killed for walking on water. That's right. Um, and Jesus didn't get killed because people wouldn't follow hard commands like, like oh, you know, I, I've been told by um, someone close to me, well, gay people just won't give up their their lifestyle, their sin. And that's why, you know, they're not willing to follow Jesus. That's not, that's not it at all. Jesus didn't get killed because he was training people in personal piety. Yes. He got killed because he was disrupting a system that was benefiting from hurting people on the, outline, on the, on the edges by pushing people to the edges. Yes. And maintaining the status quo. He didn't get killed because we wouldn't follow his commands in some personal perfectionistic way mm -hmm. but because we wouldn't because they wouldn't transform society to care for people and that's what he was asking of them right and you're dealing with a society in jesus's day of religious power yes that was predicated on scapegoating yes and so central to the belief of the pharisees which jesus i think by the way was actually a pharisee he was at least brought up in that tradition. Okay. <laughs> um, but I digress. But central to their theology was the reason Messiah hasn't come, the reason why Israel's not been delivered, the reason the Romans still have their boot on our neck mm -hmm. is because of the sinners. Mm -hmm. And so when we begin to understand why these people were so deeply hated, yes. it was because they were the reason God wasn't blessing Israel. So yes. they were scapegoated. I did Jesus not know that. becomes the scapegoat. And so if you're listening and you've been scapegoated, you are the kind of person that Jesus identified with more than if you're listening yes. as a pastor or leader. Not that Jesus won't identify with you as a pastor or leader. I'm a pastor <laughs> saying this. But I do think that, that that's a very important thing to hold when we yes. read through the Gospels. Yes. Is in our context today, we should always be asking, not am I believing the right thing, but am I standing in the right place? Right. Where I think Jesus would have stood. Yes. And that's that's what I see you guys doing with Freed Hearts, which uh -huh. is why I'm so compelled by it. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. We just, I mean, so we're at the conference right now, and there are people that came up to my table that are just thanking me for being there for them, even online, because their parents aren't there. It's, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. But it's so wonderful to be in this community. I love this community. And friends from my old life you know, opted out of friendship. Yeah. And <clears throat> I thought I would miss them, and I don't. Yeah. Because I have rich, amazing, mm -hmm. deep friendships now that I, I love. I wouldn't yeah. give anything for. Yeah. yeah. And you just talked about kids who come up. Kids, listen to me now. <laughs> saying, I know, right? I turned 40, I'm saying kids. <laughs> uh, but people come up yeah. um, and, and share their story about being rejected by their parents. And you reflect on, in your writing and your work, on what it's like for parents, on the other side of things, to hear from their kids they are gay. Yes. Um, and this is rampant. I mean, I just received an email from someone in our congregation last week who experienced, I mean, has been disowned by, yes. by his parents for coming out. Um, and you've written about what parents can do to respond in grace and love yes. and with embrace. And so what, could you share some of those things? Um, and not just for parents, but... For, for everybody who's listening, yeah. what do we do when we encounter yeah. uh, someone? The first thing is you, you, have to, you have to pause in your reaction 
and not knee-jerk react with, with trying to shut them down. The easiest first response for us who have been trained that this is a bad thing and a sin is we want to shut it down, especially when it's our kids. But that is not helpful. <laughs> They're telling you a truth about them. You need to receive it with open hands and listen. And just, just close your mouth and listen. And just open your mouth to say, I am here for you. I love you. Whatever I need to, to see about this, whatever we need to talk about, we'll do. But I love you. We're good together. You know, affirm the relationship and the decision for that person to tell you that they're gay or trans or whatever it is. Um, and try to set your fear to the side. If, mm -hmm. you're, if your fear flares up when they come out, which is very, very common, a fear of, you know, what will become of them? What will people think about us? Will we belong in our church anymore? No. What, you know, what will grandma say? It'll kill her. Whatever. That fear, try to just set it aside and, and be present with the person. And know that fear is not from God. Mm -hmm. That is not God telling you to be afraid. That's your conditioning that has made you afraid. And one of the things that struck me so deeply, uh, you talked at the beginning of, Mom, are you going to reject me? Is this yeah. going to happen? We had a couple come. I had a couple come to me after one of our Sunday gatherings. Yeah. And at first I was oblivious to what was happening, and then I realized they were coming to ask me, as a lesbian couple, are we welcome at your church? Mm. And the fear that they possessed. Yes struck me so deeply of, oh my goodness, this is what happens. This is what lies in the heart. Yes. Every single time they have to ask the question, Yes. am I welcome here? And even more so when they come out. Yes. So if we're, if we're holding on to fear, yes. it, fear, fear just amplifies. And Wendy Vanderwall Gritters has a great quote, uh, fear-filled questions never lead to love-filled answers. That's great. And so... That's yeah, so perfect true. love drives out fear. Yes, that's and we're right. the face of we become the face of love for them. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, fear is it's just not our friend in this <laughs> yeah. circumstance. Fearful it's, people do not act well, said Mark Kurlansky. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I just met, just saw two moms that I was talking to, who were saying that a a child wrote a letter to the pastor because he is a child of two moms. And he said, are you saying, pastor, that God will not bless my moms? And the pastor read that letter and said, I never want to tell a child God will not bless anybody, right. least of all his moms. And it really brought him up short. Mm. For us to say, God won't bless anybody. Whoa. Whoa, wait a minute. Stand down. He causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Unjust. And it's not, it's not ours to decide that. Or serving communion. Well, you can't have communion here. I thought that was God's communion. I thought you were just a, a server like a restaurant. <laughs> you were just <laughs> offering some communion elements. And I get to take them because I, I know the owner. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's a strange thing, though, what religion does. 
Richard Rohr, have you ever heard him talk about yeah. the Eucharist? No. He says, so. we've turned the Eucharist into a worthiness contest. Yeah. And he said, but Eucharist exists because we're all unworthy. Yeah. God doesn't love you because you are good. God loves you because God is good. Yeah, Oh, exactly. I love it. And God loves you because God is love. Yeah. What else is God going to do? God created us to be beings that God loves. Yeah. God can't help God's self but to love us. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and how do you... So, these are some of the things we can do is extend a welcome, extend love, extend an yes. embrace. What does a journey then look like? Um, because there are, so, there, there are so many for whom this is still a central. I mean, this is yes. the thing that closes down friendships. You talked about people who ghosted you. Yes. Um, <laughs> I have examples of people who, um, they're just gone. Yes. And so they didn't announce they're leaving. Yes. They did, um, as one of my friends says, an Irish goodbye. You just disappear. Um, <laughs> So yeah. some of them are family members, yeah. but, but they do that because it's too confrontational to look at their worldview hmm. anew. And when everything seems to be built to fit nicely into a box and you pull a piece out, then things shuffle around. They don't fit anymore. It's more like taking a piece out of a Jenga puzzle and everything falls yeah. or it might fall. And so... People would rather not um, take that journey, but isn't that the challenge? <laughs> isn't that the cross we bear, is to let God continually lead us someplace unexpected and uncomfortable and unpredictable and uncontrollable? Um, but it's, it's hard for people. So I tell parents and others, just stay on the journey. God is not gone. God is not asleep, as the Bible says, you know. Yeah. Um, God has put you here and is allowing this in your life. How are you going to respond? Not, what about your child? Your child is not, you're not responsible for whether they're gay. You're responsible for how you treat them because they're gay. Yeah. Right? And, and what about, let, let's talk about you a little bit in this process. Okay. <laughs> that I, I know you and Robert have some fire in your belly because yes. if not, there would be, there's no way you're still doing this work, <laughs> yes. but you're not, um, there's nothing about you that is, I said this at the beginning, you're not trying to strong arm people into this, right? You're not this militant. I will destroy you if you disagree. Right. And so what are some of the practices you put in your life? And I think this question, if you're listening, listen to Susan's response, because all of us at one time or another, we we're going to have, and we do have, struggles, broken relationships, disagreements, um, hard months, hard years. And so what are some of the things you and Robert have done to maintain a loving presence versus allowing we're right, you know, all of you can screw off kind of idea? Yeah. How do you hold that? How do you hold that well, place in your heart? Uh, I mean, foundationally, we are all in community, and you can't just screw off people you don't like because they're raising kids that they're hurting and they're saying things that are hurting people. But, but we really seek to love these people who are really struggling with this because they don't, they're responding the way they were conditioned to respond. Mm -hmm. You know, that response in me at first um, of thinking gay meant you were hurt or whatever, it was a conditioned response. I had learned that. Yeah. I didn't make it up. And so people are responding in their conditioned response. 
And we have to love them if we want to impact them to be loving right. at all. And, um, you know, I have, sometimes I get really snarky and I have to pull <laughs> it back. And my husband says, don't sound angry at people yeah. because that won't work. I'm like, I know, be quiet. No, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But um, it, it takes something of really knowing how grounded you are in God's love for you to love other people and to try to pull them forward and try to help them understand because they're just doing, you know, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They really don't. Right. Um, I would not, I, I don't tell anybody they should stay in a abusive situation and forgive the, the other person that's abusing them. I don't mean that in any way. So don't stand for abuse is not what I'm saying. But, um, but to try to love people where they are gives you, you meet them where they are. When you meet them where they are, then you can love them where they are. And then you can walk with them forward. Yeah. If you just throw rocks at them because you hate where they are, they'll never come to where you are. Which seems to be like the world we're living in right now. It does. It yeah. does. Exacerbated by little trails of Facebook and media. Where, oh my goodness, yeah. Know, we're just getting more and more and more polarized. Oh, completely more polarized. Yeah. And disagreement, if you disagree with me, then you, I, can, I, have, I am free to demonize you. Yeah. And we've lost the humanity in the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for kids in school, <laughs> somebody just told me about a boy calling another boy gay. And the principal said, well, you can love the sinner and hate the sin. I'm like, yeah. you're telling that to a child? You're going to let them try to navigate this thing, which we, don't, we can't do that. We don't love the sinner, hate the sin. That's like an impossibility. That was the point of that phrase. Yeah. But we're, you know. Do you know who coined that phrase? A Gandhi. Gandhi. Yeah. Which this is my favorite thing. Yeah. Those who hold on to that phrase are typically not people who are fans of Gandhi. Yes, exactly. And yet they're quoting him all the time. Yeah. And yet the other quote attributed to him would be much more useful where he said, I do not like your, I, I love Christ. I do not like Christians. They are so unlike Christ. Yes. And yes. okay. So if you want to quote Gandhi, you should quote that quote. Yeah. Not yeah. love the sin or hate the sin. Yeah. And, Which he a... was, and he was saying it to say that that's an impossibility. It turns out to be hate. Yes. We're not capable of it. Yes. So we can't, we can't tell our children, well, it's okay to hate him because he's gay. That's just, yeah, it's yeah. more of this demonization that we're doing. And I've never heard uh, love the sinner, hate the sin about greed. <laughs> I've never met someone who's a materialistic person, yeah. and we say that. I've never yes. met somebody who's a gossip. Right. And so it's interesting well, those that are too close to home, we've Michael. put, we yeah. That. And the other thing about being like Christ that I think... Um, is really important for us to consider yeah. is if you're listening and you're thinking like, okay, if I do this, it's going to cost me something. Yes. The answer to that is of course it will. Yes. And there's a story, and I can't remember where I read this, but there's a story about Jesus touching the leper in Mark chapter one. And there's a really interesting commentary. The leper comes up, says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He says, I'm willing. He touches the leper. And the teaching I always heard about it was and the leper became clean. Like Jesus had this something that zapped this leper. leper. Right. Um, but what's interesting is right after that, it says after that time, he was no longer able to enter the towns. 
And wow. so in the Jewish, by Jewish law, touching a leper meant you were actually the one who was unclean. Wow. So while this leper became clean, everyone who saw it immediately said, um, Jesus, Jesus is unclean. Wow. And so he had to observe yeah. the codes and the laws that existed for lepers. Yes. And so there it's is that something of, I'm going to embrace uh, my LGBTQ friends because they, in every single way, are image bearers and children of God the right. same way I am. Right. Um, and yeah, that might mean there's places you can't yeah. go anymore. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. And the Good Samaritan, too. I mean, it was the, the, the hated race person, the Samaritan, who was actually a neighbor. Yeah. The two religious people, the, the religious Pharisee and the lawgiver, walk by. They can't be bothered because they've got religion to attend to. Yeah. Um, so we as Christians should be the ones willing to pay the price, shouldn't we? We, we, have, we got, have a relationship with God. I can bear that. Yeah. We sing so, songs to Jesus who paid the ultimate price, but yeah. we don't. We and think we he say, did it I'll for us. Anywhere you want, whatever <laughs> you want, I'm yours. Oh, except not that gay person. I won't accept them. Anything yeah. else you want, I'm yours. Yeah. 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 But, and, and, you know, the cross that we're asked to bear, whatever it is, Jesus will make clear to us. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times what we like to do is we like to say, well, you gay person, you have to be celibate because that's your cross to bear. I'm not going to rethink my worldview. That's, uh, that's not on the table. But you have to be celibate because that's your cross to bear. We don't get to tell other people what their cross is to bear. We get to bear our own cross. Right. And that cross is to love other people well. Yeah, it's to undergo our own kind of death. Yes. Yeah. Giving up, I mean, we say we'll give up our life for people maybe our children right but we won't give up our worldview right or our tribe and so what for people who are listening we talk a lot on the podcast about our next steps yes there for people who are listening who are still at a place of like no this is this is a sin yes um one of the things i've recognized is like in conversations i've had is people will say it's a sin and then eventually say, I've actually never, I've really never read about this. I've never right. studied it. I've never thought about it. So in addition to that, like go and read and study and learn. Right. Read from both sides of the argument. Um, yes. But I would say too, what would, what would you say? Like here's some next steps. Here's some things you can do I would say, to open I yourself up. I would say up. the same thing, to look into it. But I would say start with reading from the other side of the argument. You probably have already heard. You're already ingrained in your argument. Find out somebody's story. Read people's stories mm. that are gay, that are parents. Go to freedhearts.org and look at the resources page and the, the stories there. The, you know, Google, um, you know, child coming out to parents and you'll see heartbreaking stories. Find out what's going on in that world instead of just fortifying yourself. Fortifying your own viewpoint is not um, loving others. Yeah. So, and, and, um, read some good books that will help you from, the, that are from the other side of the aisle. Uh, you know, the word homosexuality hmm. was invented in the 1800s mm -hmm. and it was added to the Bible in 1946. Yep. It's, it's not even in there. 
Right. It's talking about something else completely. Right. So do some research on that. You know, my books you can look at. Read David Gushy's Changing the Conversation. Uh, Colby Martin's Unclobber. There's so many good books that would yeah. really enlighten you. Ken Wilson, A Letter to My Congregation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and it'll be eye-opening. And, and what would you say to someone who's never met, or I would say is not in a relationship with someone from the LGBTQ community? Um, you may know someone else who is. Mm -hmm. and, and even, okay, ask God to, to, give you, to bring someone in your life so that you can learn a story. Um, one of the uh, women I just talked to said that her friend said to her, I don't understand, but I want to be an ally. Help me. Hmm. Tell me how I can be an ally yeah. to you. I thought, what a beautiful thing to say. Just say, I don't know, but I'd like to know. But you have to do your own research, but let people guide you. Um, there's probably somebody in your life, and if there's not, there's somebody who there's somebody in their life. Yeah, yeah. But you can you can Google stories online and see. Yeah, and that attitude know. of the woman you just shared—that's that's the beginner's mind. Yes, that's a beginner's of, mind. I don't I don't understand yes. it. I don't. I have a friend who um, was buying a bike, and he went into a bike shop, and said, "Just pretend like I've never seen a bicycle." <laughs> and he told me that the the fellow who worked there said, "Oh, this is so good because you're actually going to get the bike that you really need." Yeah. Um, and just that's that attitude great. of, I don't, I don't know, yeah. and that's okay, and I'm willing to learn and be surprised and be challenged. And before Jesus, all of us should be saying, I don't know. Right. Talk to me like I've never heard about loving people before. Right. Well, yeah. it looks like treating them the way you want to be treated. You know, mm. um, that's a great beginner's mind. I love that. Yeah. Um, so how can other people learn more about your work? How can they find you online? I mean, you have a yeah. large online presence, so I'd love for you to talk about yes. that a little bit. So go to freedhearts.org. You can contact me there if you're a parent. You can connect with me, email me, and I'll help you get connected to a community for parents. Um, we have moms and dads. If you're LGBT, you can email me. I can guide you, you know, kind of encourage you, and also get you in our um, online group. Yeah. For LGBTQ, we have under 18 and then 18 plus, just for, you know, safety's sake. Um, and look at the resources we have. We have video courses online, full-length uh, video courses that go along with the two books, True Colors and also Mama and Gay. I was gonna, tell us about your books. I was going to ask okay. you about them. So Mama and Gay is for parents or other family or people who want to understand how to approach somebody, how to deal with somebody who's just said, mom, I'm gay, or pastor, I'm gay, or whatever. And it's a really easy, um, it's a really easy way to, like, bring down your own defenses so you can relate to somebody. There's True Colors, Celebrating the Truth and Beauty of the Real You, mm -hmm. and that is a deeply healing workbook for people who have been wounded by the church, by their families, by community, uh, and by their own internalized fear and shame. And then we have uh, Radically Included is a little, uh, a little book we just finished, and then a video course to go with it. The courses are really intimate, me sitting with you talking about this, and you can do them in the privacy of your own home, so you're 
safe and comfortable. Mm. And I really help you learn how to love other people in a powerful way. Awesome. Yeah, and just set your fears aside. And can I ask about the book you have coming out? Um, yes. <laughs> My Coffee with the Past. Yes. It is not finished yet, but it is based on a conversation I had with the pastor, uh, my friend's pastor, and all of the objections he had about letting LGBT people in the congregation, which they had, but letting them be in leadership, mm -hmm. or even starting a, a parents group in the church. He didn't want to do that because he saw it as divisive. Well, it's not divisive, it's uniting, it's mm -hmm. healing. Uh, so, it, so it's all these conversations, and it helps Christians that are conservative move from really, uh, really not knowing where to start on this issue into kind of an understanding of it in a deep way. So that's coming out soon. Good. And you, I don't think I described it very well. No, I got it. I got it. Okay. But you, you also travel and speak a bit. So if someone wants you to do. speak, how does yes. that, how do they make that happen? Go to the website and, and you'll find the, uh, the tab for it. But I do. I go to places and speak. I went to a city recently where I did several events in five days. And I talked to pastors and students. And it was really a great time. So. Yeah. And yeah. you, you, you wear, often wear the pin that you're wearing now that says free mom hugs. Yeah. So if you have Susan come and speak, you will get free yes. mom hugs. And yeah. it's amazing to me that people will say, oh, I want a mom hug. Yeah. Um, I'm touched and I'm also sad that that's a rare thing. Yeah. And that's why I said at the beginning yeah. is the, the, like the engine that, that fuels you. Yeah is is your love as a mom because that's yeah. where we started the conversation yes, that's it started right. with your kids that's and if right. you're a parent um there's moments well someone once said to me it's perfectly normal to want to throw your children down the stairs it's when you throw <laughs> your children down the stairs that you have a problem that you have a problem that's right and those moments seem to be here and there but the deep abiding love yeah, for parents is, for their kids that's what seems to win the day right yeah, isn't that the job of the parent isn't yeah. that the honor and privilege mm -hmm. of the parent right so, and that's what you yeah. bring. So thank you yeah. so much You're for welcome. carving out time amidst this crazy week that we both had. <laughs> thank you And thank you for much. being on the Changing Faith Podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for everything you do. It's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you. All right. So for those of you who are listening, uh, again, you heard Susan's information uh, that she shared about where you can find her online. I will also put that in the episode description so that you'll have an easier time finding out more about the wonderful work her and her husband, Robert, are doing. So thanks again for joining us on the Changing Faith Podcast. And as always, much love and peace be with you.